This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 175. We're recording on Thursday, September 15th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Jen Northington. She's the events director at Riot New Media Group and BookRiot.com. She's in charge of Book Riot Live, which is coming up. Also the co-host of Book Riot's Get Booked podcast with Amanda. We're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Yeah, so you do get booked. That's every week now. It is every How, single week. Because <laughs> you, you went, you went from every other week to yeah. every week. Because Amanda but, just sort of said we could do it every week. Did she? Did she? Did she ask you? I didn't. Um, yeah, we talked about it, and and you know, I think right around when it went to every week was right around when I came on full time as a co-host. Mm. Because before that, it was you know she was mixing it up a little bit more. Um, but there yeah. were so many questions; it was immediately apparent that weekly was the way to go. Right, it's not right. like, I mean, we could probably almost do it twice a week if we had the time, but we don't. So, yeah. Well, it's sort of our version of Reader's Advisory. I mean, we do a yes. lot of that on the sh- on the side and on this show and other places, but it's demonstrably directly, you write in, you get questions, you know, you get, you get uh, responses. Are you still getting a bunch of questions? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, the Are, spreadsheet grows, the email account grows, it all grows. So it's whack-a-mole where they're just more moles every time you hit one. It's like, basically, uh, basically. Hydra, you know? It's it's a kind of amazing. And the questions are so interesting. I've read stuff this year that I never would have picked up otherwise. Um, and they were all good. That's oh, the so, best so you're reading, so you pick up stuff because you are trying to find recommendations or just in the, in the process of trying to find stuff for people. You're like, oh, I want to read that too. Yeah, exactly. Um, Amanda and I think both every show hand sell a couple things to each other in the process of hand selling them to whoever's listening and then also <laughs> if, there, if there's a question that comes in that I just really have never read in that area and I like we will ask other people you know we ask the book right contributors sometimes if we just really don't know anything about a certain genre or topic but but I'll often go looking and and read some stuff and mm. and and yeah expand my own reading horizons in the process so it is a great time. I yeah, love so it. that's Get Booked. You can go to bookwrite.com slash listen and see all of our podcasts there or just search for Get Booked on iTunes and it'll pop up there. Um, speaking of finding new stuff to read, so if you're trying to get through more of your TBR, your to-be-read list, audiobooks are a great way to do that because you can you know fill in the cracks of your life that aren't full of books and fill them with more books. <laughs> <laughs> right, that, that's that's how this works. Yes. You're you're uh, you're driving the car to work. Um, you're waiting in line at the grocery store. You're you're gardening. You're doing the dishes. You're folding the laundry. One thing I've heard a lot of people say is they kind of don't mind maybe taking on laundry duty tonight because that means they can finish off that chapter of their audiobook, spend a little more time with their audiobook. So the this is Audible's the sponsor, the the world leading provider of audiobooks. Um, the app is free, works on iPhones, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone. You can download, listen on your Kindle Fire, and over 500 MP3 players. It still it feels like saying MP3 players a little bit, saying like you're a cassette tape player these <laughs> days. But but people use them out there, and you know people have dedicated iPods and things like that. You can still listen to your Audible books on there. Unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your books. So if you cease your membership, they are still there in the app for you to listen to until um, – 
Audible goes out of business or the heat death of the universe. And at this point, with the way Audible is growing, I say that is a horse race at this point. You can access your books anytime and anywhere right from your device. Special shout out Audible wants to give to um, Oprah's new book pick. We talked a little bit about this on the show last week. Glennon Doyle Melton's, that's a mouthful, a Love Warrior is a memoir about, she, you know, she thought she was, had it all figured out. Kids, doting spouse, a writing career that, you know, she had a book on the New York Times bestseller list. And then it all comes crashing down because of the dude, as these things tend to do. I'm so sorry on behalf of all of us. <laughs> Her husband revealed, revealed his infidelity and she was forced to realize that nothing was as it seemed. It was a Potemkin life. Um, she's recovering alcoholic and bulimic. She found that the rock bottom was a familiar place. You know, she and then this is the story of her trying to turn around. It's messy. It's honest. Um, it's not a conventional look how I turned my life around and everything is great now kind of memoir. Um, check that out. You can listen to that at audible.com. And just for listeners, Audible is offering a three, free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash bookwrite today to get your free trial. That's 30 days. You can listen to Love Warrior right now. Um, not right now, when you're listening to this. And actually not when you're listening to this, when you download and try it. But you get what I'm saying. Audible.com slash bookwrite. Thanks so much to Audible for their continued support of this show and a lot of our podcast. Um, I bet you've done an Audible read or two over on Get Booked. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm just guessing. We, we love our audiobooks. Yes. On all of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you're. Are you, I have, we, we haven't talked about this. Are you? You listen to audiobooks? Do you, what, what? How do you? Do you have I feel a particular like I'm genre? I'm not supposed to say it, but I kind of don't. You kind um, of don't. No, that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a terrible person. I read mm. books on the train. Like, yeah, I, you read print. Here's here's my here's the thing that always trips me up is that I read fast. I read way faster yes. than I can listen. Um, and so then I just get frustrated at how long it's taking me to listen to a thing. Mm -hmm. But I do. This actually goes into something that we were. Gonna and talk about it. anyway i i do listen to shorter form things ah, yes. like welcome to night vale or like you know if it's like 20 minutes long like mm -hmm. that i can do while i'm doing dishes or laundry or something well your commute you have a pretty good commute um but it's on a train right so that you can read as opposed to someone commuting by car right um you know yes, auto, exactly so that's one thing too and you know if you can i completely agree like i'm never gonna sit down if i have an hour of of unalloyed jeff time and choose to read, to listen to an audiobook over a print book if, if book time is what I'm going to do. But like I said, it's really more about doing, listening to a book when I can't be reading. Yes. That's yes. what it more is. Right. For me. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I do do a lot of podcasts too. Um, and I wonder if, you know, we talked about Audible channels next time. If Audible is finding uh, podcasts and audiobooks have to compete, right? I mean, right. there's yeah. only so many headphone hours in a day we have. Right. Are you going to listen to serial or are you going to listen to a book? Like, yeah. you know, you have to choose. So we talked last, um, actually, I'm not sure if it was last time. I always just say, sort of say last time if it was some previous show. This is my daughter who's three. <laughs> like anything we've done in the past was something we did yesterday. Right. You know, we did that yesterday. <laughs> and it was, we did it two years ago. Um, <laughs> so yesterday we talked about Audible Channels, Rebecca and I. Uh, one thing we thought was weird about it was that you had to have an Audible membership to try it. Right. You know, and, and one of the great things about podcasts, you know, as all of you listening to this know, is that you can try it for free. You know, it's on our, it's basically podcasts are built on RSS, which is an open platform, you know, and you get it through iTunes or another podcatcher, there's the barrier to entry is very low. With Audible channels, you had to have an Audible subscription, which is a bad way, it seems to me, to get people to discover podcasts. Now, if you only think of it as sort of a value add, right. charitable membership, that's one thing, but it seems to me that podcasts are a great thing to hear kids the first one free, right? 
As you know, Jen, probably from Night Vale or, or people listening to your own show, if someone will listen to one of your episodes, it's much more – a lot of them will go listen to everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to it's, – it's, like it's like a free sample. Like, you want to know yeah. what you're getting into. And even right. if that's – you know, I, I mean, it seems like the first one should be right. accessible – like yeah. on a trial basis at the very least. And maybe the problem there is since most people listening to Audible have the app and to use the app, you have to sign in. There's not yeah. an easy way to get it out from behind a paywall. That's right? fair. Like, right. So I'm assuming in response to this or as part of a larger play, um, Audible channels now available for free for people with Amazon Prime. And uh, which a lot of people have. A lot of people subscribe to Amazon. I subscribe to Amazon Prime. Um, so I can get Cliff Bars in 48 hours because, God forbid, I don't have my Cliff Bars. Uh, and, and you can listen to Audible channels. You don't have to have an Audible membership. And also apparently includes a limited number of audiobooks in that membership, um, kind of like Kindle Unlimited uh, for audiobooks, 50 or so. Um, I haven't looked, and I should have done in preparation for this show, to see what's available there. But, you know, you get all the original series. A lot – I, I haven't dived into – Dove? I always get that wrong. Jeez. Um, I, haven't, I haven't explored what's available through Audible channels there, sort of because I was frustrated with it, to be honest. Like, you know, I don't want anyone to like, this is dumb. You know, I don't know. I don't like this because it's paywalled, but um, it's, it's, av- it's available there. They don't give, you know, I've always wanted to know more about Audible's numbers. Uh, Amazon bought them eight years ago for $300 million, which seems like one of the great coups, uh, you know, the sort of modern publishing world acquisitions. I've never heard about what their volume is. I don't know how many subscribers they have, anything else like that. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 a bla- it's a black box. Also, you can get Audible channels as a subscription as a standalone. It's another part of the news for five bucks a month. Um, you know, there's a lot of the big networks, you know, Earwolf is trying this. Um, yeah, some Earwolf. of the some <laughs> of the my big favorite pod- name. <laughs> it's a little it's a little like I don't know. It feels a little intimidating. Um, yeah, it's very aggressive. <laughs> very aggressive, yeah. Do you want a wolf in your ear? Um uh I, I don't know about this paywalled um podcast situation. I, I think I don't know, a lot of people are trying to figure out podcasts, and I'm one of these it's not broken people. What's wrong with the way podcasts exist now that that for on the on the consumer side, I guess on the monetization side, people are trying to figure things out. But anyway, if you're interested in trying Audible channels and you have an Amazon Prime membership, but you don't subscribe to Audible, then you can try it for free. If you're more of a podcast person and less of an audiobook person or not subscribed to Audible or get your audiobook somewhere else, you can get um, Audible channels for five bucks a month. So Audible is trying to do stuff. And really the Audible channels thing is the first real, like, Audible trying to think of itself as something other than a middleman for audiobooks we've seen. Yeah, it's like Netflix doing their own shows. Yes, that's a great example. And another thing they're doing, we've talked about this a little bit before, is they've gotten basically public domain works and had a celebrity read them. Right. Um, right. Know, Natalie Portman is reading the new Elena Ferrante short story, the one about the doll, oh, apparently, wow. that's coming out. Um, we talked about Scarlett Johansson reading... Right. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, there was, there's some other, you know, there's a, bu- there's a bunch of these happening now. Um, I guess we'll really find out is, I, I don't know, what, what would the, what would the, uh, 
Do you watch any Netflix uh, original series? Like, what's do you have one that do you watch Netflix stuff? Too? Yeah, I I did watch the first season of Orange Is the New Black, and yeah, then okay. uh, boy, now I'm forgetting. It's like did you do Jessica which, Jones? I did love Jessica yeah. Jones. I'm trying yeah. to think of what the audible equivalent of Jessica Jones would be. Right. right? I, I don't think it's a podcast. No, I mean if we're gonna extend this metaphor. This is what we do here. Welcome to the show, Jen. (laughs) It it seems to me that at least the ones, the examples that they were listing were more like um, the audible version of the Great British Baking Show. Like it's more like reality TV or something like John Ronson is going to do a thing on free stuff apparently and like there's Mm -hmm. the Bernie Madoff thing. Like I don't, it's very, it feels very reality TV. Yeah. Uh, The move would be something where like, you know, the Marvel Extended Universe stuff, Netflix really has that on lockdown, I mean, unless you like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you're getting Luke Cage is coming out in 15 days, not that I'm keeping track, Jessica Jones, <laughs> Daredevil, Avengers. Right, but, like, I, that's not, that. that's all Marvel content, right? Like, yeah. Netflix is the purveyor, as it were. But, right, but, but I think they fund it. Like, they write them a big oh, check right, to produce yeah. it. Right, I'm just right. trying to think what the equivalent would be like. You know, if Audible said, you know what, I'm going to write it, we're going to write a check to Neil Gaiman for $500,000 or whatever right. he would require – and he's going to do a book, something that's only available on Audible. Yeah. I don't know if that works. I, don't, I think people would find that hostile differently than Netflix. Hmm. Like I'm if a, sure. if there was like a Doctor Who that you could only get yeah. on Audible, right? right? The radio play comes back and it's only available on audio. Or cereal, I guess, would be the best example. Like right. a big. Well, they're trying to do thing. their own cereal, but because everybody's yeah. trying to do their own cereal. Everyone's um, trying to do that. that and, and cereal is trying to do their own cereal. Like the numbers for season... <laughs> no, seriously. The download numbers for season two are way, way down. Of like course, a of course. It's so, a moment in time. Yeah, a fascinating phenomenon. Someone... So, so, well, you know what we need is we need a cereal about the cereal phenomenon. There you go. <laughs> that, that's a little bit meta, even for my taste. Uh, okay, boy, we spent longer on that than I was yeah, anticipating. Um, but that's interesting stuff. Go check that out. If, if you If you are interested in it, and you go check out Audible channels. I, I would like to know. We got lots of great feedback uh, about my ebook rant last week. Um, probably the most feedback we've ever gotten on email. Um, mostly people saying, right on, man, which I appreciate. Um, a few people saying, well, but there are reasons. I understand there are reasons uh, that they're going on. I am working on a piece for the site about the absurdity of, of ebook prices, especially for backlist paperback for the favorites. But um, I'd like to know if you listen to it, give us a rec for Audible channels if you listen to Audible. I assume there's a pretty big crossover, not just because of, you know, that we do spots for it, but because, you know, you guys are book listeners and book readers and listen to podcasts. Probably you're, probably there's no better um, Venn diagram of podcast to uh, sponsor than the Book Riot podcast and get booked and Dear Book Nerd and all the books then with Audible. Um, so if you have an Audible channel, if you found a show that you like, let us know. I'd like to check some out. I've got a little more space in my weekly routine for a podcast or two. Um, okay, so Jen, Jen, I, we, Jen got introduced <laughs> to the, the the world of the Book Riot podcast agenda. Yes, um, and I asked her to drop something in, and she immediately put something with burning questions. <laughs> Um, so one, tell me about this story. Tell me what this story is and, and then what your burning questions are. Yeah. So the story is actually one that I, after I fell down the rabbit hole because of this story, I discovered that this has been written about before. But the short version is, is that a small town in Scotland called Wigtown, which is apparently Scotland's national book town. There is a bookshop there called The Open Book that you can run by booking an Airbnb stay in it. Right. So, like, you book your Airbnb stay, and then you are the bookshop owner for that week. 
And so immediately, as a former well, let's, seller, I was going to say oh, we yeah. need to, you need to do some background about yes. you because we have talked about this show a little bit. I'm not even sure it's the same Airbnb. I think it might be a different one. But so Jen, you were a bookseller for a long time. What did you do at the bookstore? Like, so what, yeah. yeah, I worked at five, six. I've worked at a bunch of bookstores. Um, oh, basically, it was what I did from graduating college on. So like ten plus years of bookselling uh, all across the country. And I started out as a floor, you know, frontline bookseller. Um, I learned a little bit about used book buying and then I became an events manager uh, and like social media person and you know ordered books and did inventory and basically everything I mean really most people at a bookstore if you're there long enough you end up doing a little bit of everything yeah right um, so events was my job title but like I did everything so <laughs> including you know managing store changeovers from inventory systems right like you scan the mm. book in and you get a price but that information theoretically should go somewhere so that you know what books to order in and what people are buying and you can keep track of stock. And so I see this story. And, it's and you're like, like, how in the heck are they doing this? Yeah, <laughs> right? and, it, and it both gives me hives and makes me super happy because <laughs> <laughs> like it gives me hives from an organizational slash business running standpoint. But from a like person as, as a person who loves bookstores mm. and was constantly barraged by people walking into the store and being like, oh, this must be the best job ever. Like, because you just think that you just sit there and read all the time. Right, yeah. It's like, go experience it for yourself. Go to Scotland and run a bookstore for a week. (laughs) Except that, like... I, so then I fell down the rabbit hole. I was like, mm-hmm. is there an inventory system? How do they order the books? Who's in charge of this? Like, what happens? I, like, had a whole <laughs> moment <laughs> in my brain about, like, well, how would you do it? Um, and my research has revealed that they have a paper ledger. <laughs> and you, when you sell a book, you write down – you don't even write down the title. You write down what kind of book it was. So, like, if you sell a book about marketing or, like, gardening or you sell a fiction book or a web Western, you write down the genre, I guess. And then the owners, uh, it's run by a local book council that also does the festival, from what I understand. Um, I guess they restock based on that. And like Dan Dalton for BuzzFeed did a piece about this. And he said that at one point, somebody brought him a box of mystery books to price, which Mm. like... He so then he explains how he decided what the prices were and like my brain exploded all over my computer screen because um, <laughs> he just literally looked at another mystery book on the shelf and then priced them the same way, which is actually not a terrible way to do it, I guess. Um, but that's not how you get taught to do it in the industry, uh, to put it mildly. Um, <laughs> And so clearly so, they don't, I mean, their business isn't selling books. Their business is renting out the store. Right. So I guess yeah. it's like something like 350 Canadian dollars a week. Um, and so I guess that's enough for like rent and, and it's used books, right? So you're not having to mm. deal with publishers and publisher accounts. Like, I guess people donate books. And, uh, you know, from one of the articles I was reading, it seems like people in the town just pop by to see who's running it this week, right? Like you become. <laughs> Freak of the week at the yeah, bookstore. Yeah, exactly. You become a tourist attraction. Like, oh, who's who is the bookshop owner this week which is so i actually think it's genius um Mm -hmm. it's just sheer genius i don't know how successful it is as an example of like how to run a bookstore sure but as a concept it's it's kind of amazing well it's like you know those fantasy baseball camps you can go to and like you know you're you know a 38 year old schlub like me who used to not be able to hit a curveball in high school and you have a little money and you go later and you're like i'm gonna go to fantasy camp with like aging baseball players and you just sort of, you know, put on a uniform and you go take batting practice. 
those people running those aren't running a professional baseball league. They're running a tourist destination. And that's that's what this is. You know, the right. books are the ride. They're, they're right. the Matterhorn. They're the teacups for you to come right there. So, I, And also, I guess the inventory problem with the used bookstore also that you're talking about when you're charting what to keep in stock is right. if it's used, if you, were, if you sell a copy of, you know, everything is illuminated, it's not like you can go run out and get one immediately no. to replace it. So right. the, the specificity and timeliness of restocking, it's a supply and demand problem with right. used books. And same with pricing. Like, I, I mean, in, in that kind of used book situation, you're not, you're not tr- concerned with section turns. Yeah. You're not concerned with like, you know, inventory PNL. Like you're just concerned with like putting a book on the shelf and somebody hopefully is going to give you, you know, five pounds or whatever it is for it. <laughs> um, so you know what they should do is they should, they should say, if you sell this number of, if you sell more than this amount in books, you get to keep the difference. Well, that would be interesting. Because like, you're not incentivized to sell, right? right? You know, you, you've paid to be there. and so. Right. But maybe if there's a little – I'm trying to think, like, how would you make it more like a real bookstore experience? But maybe that ruins it. Like, Rick, maybe trying to actually incentivize it and turns it, yeah. turn it into a real business. I mean, who's going to pay to then get stressed about how many books they're selling in a week? Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have to be like, <laughs> you know, if you sell zero, you've, you're covered. But right, if you right. sell That's true. more than $200, anything more than that, you get to put in your pocket. So it's like... But I would bet you money that whoever, if you did get to keep your extra, you would just mm. turn around and spend it on books in the bookstore. <laughs> like, sure, yeah. What, they could, they could uh, have their cake and eat it too. The right, exactly. Of like yeah. the kind of people who are going to pay to run a bookstore for a week are mm-hmm. the kind of people who are going to end up buying books from themselves. Because And I guess, God love you, if you get it uh, the week before Christmas. Man, for real. That's got to be, it's just one person. Although I, I don't know. I mean, this town, I don't know yeah. how, you know, I'm sure that they know what to expect when they walk right. in the door. I feel like there's, you know, uh, a nice little romance novel to be written about someone who rents this and finds oh, love in a small, sure. you know. for sure. <laughs> yeah, or like you said, remember that movie Chocolat with uh, Yes, I Johnny, do. You, you know, mm-hmm. you can see that switched out, which is it's like a, a temporary bookstore position rather than right. a chocolatier and pirates. Yes. Um, it's like anyway. it's like bookselling meets under the Tuscan sun, right? Like you yes, go to get away right. from your life and you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you fall in love. Or and it's like one of those, it's like a police procedure where it's like criminal, of the, it's like crime of the week, but it said this is like it's uh it's bookseller of the week. Like That's, every yeah. every every episode is the story of that person's experience running the books. I think we just wrote something. I think we did. <laughs> Netflix call us. Several limited somethings. series. <laughs> we could do this. We're onto something here. Oh, uh, speaking of bookish celebrities, um, let's talk about Wrinkle and Time. Casting. Yes, it's, it's coming. In. The big the big shoe dropped in casting this week. The 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 lead Meg. I, I can't remember the character's last name. Uh, uh, Meg Murray. Murray. Uh, was cast. Um, it's Anna DuVernay's version. Ava, Ava DuVernay. Ava, sorry. Ava. Excuse me. Um, her, I presume, will be a franchise if it does well. Um, doing the four Wrinkle in Time books. Um, the first one's Wrinkle in Time. Storm Reed. Um, she's. You know, I didn't see her age, but she looks like she's about the right age, and she's. Uh, she's I think uh, she's thirteen. Thirteen. So that yeah. that would be about right. About right. I mean, who um, knows what age she's playing in the movie? I can't remember how I old can't Meg remember. is supposed been, to be. It's I haven't like, read it in a million or, years. I haven't read yeah. it in a million years. I'll. I want to go back, but the, she's the lead in the story. Uh, uh, lead in the the movie. Lead in the book. Um, a young black actress joining Oprah herself, um, who I believe is also the executive producer of the movie. Uh, Mindy Mindy Kaling's also going to be on there, and Reese Witherspoon. So we have a who's who's of. Bookish celebrity. We've talked about Witherspoon and Kaling and, of course, Oprah all the time as being on the Mount Rushmore 
it may continue to be the Mount Ru- – Oprah certainly is in contemporary sure, books. Yeah. Um, but Kaling, she's a writer. She's a reader. She, you know, she posts about her books all the time. Witherspoon herself does. She actually you – know, I think she was the first one that got the rights to Gone Girl and for a while was maybe going to star in the movie version and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, she has her own production company. I think that's, that's – it's, it's devoted to adapting works of books by women um, – Anyway, all of them are great readers and, of course, huge celebrities. And so we, this, is, this is it. This is – I can't think of a more anticipated movie ad- adaptation right now. Maybe for me personally, I don't know. I don't have any idea what The Knife of Never Letting Go is going to look like on screen. It's going oh, to be yeah. crazy. So yeah. just from a pure cinematic point of view, I'm interested in that. But from a star-studded bookish nerddom that also is about you know me reading as a kid, this is – I don't even know what else is – it's the great unmade big franchise, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if there's another one out there. Uh, were you a Wrinkle in Time fan? Oh, huge, yeah. huge, huge. Yeah. And and the other thing I really like about this adaptation is that it's the Frozen screenwriter, Jennifer yes, Lee, Jennifer who adapted Lee, right. it, which just fills me with delight because I loved Frozen. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, the fact that they decided to, like, you know, actually make the main characters black or mixed races, it, that's huge for yeah, for. For for all of us, but especially for you know young moviegoers, you know the chance to imagine that character as somebody who looks like you, uh, if you yeah. are you know not used to seeing yourself on the screen, it's pretty awesome. And and also, I just a shout out to Storm Reed for having an awesome. If you wanted to be a superhero, that's an awesome name, Storm Reed. It's really you know, good. Mo- that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, is that not already a character from the Fantastic Four? Uh, yeah, like, it's kind it of a mashup, like right? It, yeah, yeah, of uh, Johnny, right, Johnny Storm, Storm and, and, and Sue uh, Reed. Reed. Yeah. yeah, Sue Reed. It definitely is. It definitely, <laughs> she's a Fantastic Two uh, all by herself. <laughs> there you go. Um, so that's, you know, not much else to say about that then. Yay. Uh, mm-hmm. Excited about that. Um, another story you found. Which is not really – it's a story in that there is no story. Right. <laughs> but, and do you know – I'm sure you were asked this as a bookseller. Did people ever ask why books come out on Tuesdays to you? I, yeah, they did. And I, for the life of me, I can't remember what I said. I'm sure I made something up. Right. I'm absolutely positive I thought I knew what the answer was or, like, decided that I had an answer. But the, So somebody actually asked. Yes. Um, Lori Herzl at the Star Tribune – decided to ask a bunch of publishing, like publishing executives, mm-hmm. including, you know, Michael Reynolds, who's the editor and chief of your chief of Europa and somebody from Knopf and, you know, somebody from Publishers Weekly. And the answer is nobody knows. Yeah. This is my favorite thing I've learned about publishing. <laughs> Literally, no one knows why the books drop on it Tuesday. It is, I have to say, um, after doing 175 episodes of this, <laughs> there is a lot of the emperor doesn't even know where the fake yeah. clothes are in publishing, you know, <laughs> Like, and this is one of those, um, I think. Like, they have reasonable theories, you know, it's to do with the bestseller list and reporting and all of this stuff. But, like, the the, the, the plausible reason that I had heard before is it's about restocking shelves after the weekend and big retailers, right? Except that you don't often get next day orders. So, like, if I ordered something that's coming out on a Tuesday, I ordered mm-hmm. that, like, six months ago. I didn't order that yeah, yeah. on Monday. It's, it's, no, it's yeah. actually about putting them on the shelf. Oh, like I see they, what you're they saying. They do their yeah, restocking yeah, yeah. on right. Monday nights. Um, and so they put out the new books. You know, new stock goes out on the shelf for Tuesday morning. Right, that to is fill the in plausible the but unverifiable yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, reason I heard. The only other corroboration for that would be that that's also how DVDs work, right? It's Tuesdays. Right. Um, and I think also f- 
you know, many of the same reasons that you'd apply. There's nothing of the reasons they give here are book specific, you know, shipping to the West Coast and blah, right. blah, blah, are specific to books necessarily. I just don't believe for, do we even, the thing that doesn't even have is like, when did this start? Like, yeah, right. In, uh, when The Great Gatsby comes out in 1920, oh boy, uh, <laughs> seven, I think, or it might be, before, anyway, 24, 24, you know, somewhere between 23 and 27, it didn't come out on a Tuesday, right? Or, or did it? Or Dickens, you know, uh, a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court didn't come out on a Tuesday in the 19th century. Um, anyway, so there's, if someone wants to have an instigator, do some investigative report, oh, serial. They're, there they're, you go. They're, they're a serial about book shipping. Yeah, book shipping. Boy, I cannot that's imagine riv- riv- anything. Riveting stuff. <laughs> yeah. Especially if there's no there there. Yeah, there's no there there's, there. There's no there there. So no. Uh, one of the great mysteries, um, and probably it's probably something that happened in like the 70s, and they just decided to do it because when you know RCA bought Random House or something, they're like, okay, right. we're just gonna we're just gonna make it all standard, and it's Tuesdays, and that's our day. So everyone's on the same calendar. Um, you know, yeah, music comes out on Tuesdays too, right? Yeah, and back right. in the day, like Borders had DVDs, CDs, and books. Yes, yeah, right. But I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Because um, I think, I mean, probably it's true of the bookstore too. Like your big sales days are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No. Thursday can be really quiet. I think okay. it depends. I mean, some stores aren't even open on Sundays, depending on what market you're in, what? right? Like geography based. I definitely because worked of at God. Stores. Because of God, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. um, I worked at stores that either had very abbreviated Sunday hours or no Sunday hours at all. And, and you know, if you're running like a one man operation, you're closed on Monday. Um, right. Is is my experience with that? Like Monday is always slow. Uh, pretty much no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. It's like restaurants are also closed on Mondays, right? Like that's the thing. Well, um, that makes sense then because Mondays yeah. you get the new inventory in, you open up the box, you put on the shelves, Except you got time you're to do it. Except that you're not there. So like, you're if you're closed there. on Monday because it's your one day off a week because you own a bookstore and that's the only day you can take off, like then you have to do all that receiving Tuesday morning, which sucks. Do people um, come in on Tuesdays and buy new books the day it came up? Is like that a thing people do? There are, there's a subset of readers. I mean, I would bet money that some of the people listening right now do that sure. um kind of like, like the wednesday warriors for comics yeah. yeah there are people who will come especially if a book has been reviewed in the new york times and then they mm. come in on monday and they're mad that the book is not out yet because they always do that um oh i wonder how many lost sales have happened because oh, it's infuriating so hmm. yeah we need to have a separate series of podcasts where i just pepper you with inane <laughs> questions about bookstore. i was just gonna say there's actually a difference between like embargoed pub date and like Update versus ship date, but we don't need to get into yeah, that we, right now. Yeah, some other, some other. Some we'll other do an time. after show. We'll do an after yeah. show about. This. <laughs> um, all right, let's see what's going on here. You know, we, we better do a next sponsor. Um, yes. Next sponsor, the ones. An interesting sounding book. Um, hadn't heard of this before. Uh, you know, this is why advertising can work. It's called The Ones by Daniel Swearin Becker, and here's the pitch. So Cody has always been proud of being a one. She and her boyfriend James were two of the lucky babies from the one percent of the U.S. population that were randomly selected to benefit from genetic engineering. Now she and the rest of the ones are excelling. They're healthy, beautiful, talented. They aren't otherworldly, just happen to be perfect. And to some, that's not fair because, well, it sounds like it's not fair. So the equality movement, capital E, capital M, capitalizing the growing fear and jealousy this you know has been generating gains political traction and actually outlaws their existence. Society allows its darker side as the ones are marginalized. The line between right and wrong blurs in the face of injustice – and Cody becomes closer to a group of radical ones intent on fighting back. 
James begins to fear just how far she's willing to go to fight the cause. So The Ones combines current events with frightening aspects of our past to create an all-too-easy-to-imagine reality, thought-provoking, thrilling, complex, and it's the first in the new young adult series, um, fa- appealed to fans of Divergent and the Fifth Wave. That's The Ones by Daniel Swearen Becker. Okay. Um, thanks so much for them to sponsoring the show. All right. Should we do uh, awards time? Awards time talk? Yeah, let's talk about the short lists and the long lists. Well, can we, we talk about both. me first? Can we talk about we which? Talk, me first. Me. Oh, you. Me. Do you are you going to I've got fatigue. I, I've, got, <laughs> I've got list fatigue. Do you? you well... I don't know if they've always done this. I feel like this is a new thing over the last couple of years. And the National Book Awards, I love the National Book Awards. You know, Lisa Lucas is a friend of the show, who's the executive director over there. But they're doing this dribs and drabs, like the long list for each category every day for like a week. And it's, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's, well, I am exhausted by it. I, I find myself <laughs> caring less about each one because I'm like, oh, okay, today's the, the nonfiction one. All right. Uh, I'll wait till they're all. Uh, do we even used to get big announcements about long lists like this? I don't know. Maybe you know better than I do. So anyway, I'll, that's in a bracket. I'm not sure how. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the the Booker shortlist, I guess, is the biggest news. This is you know this is a um, English speaking world list, um, and you know these get stickers. They basically will get stickers on their covers forever, right? You know, a, a Man Booker finalist or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So mm-hmm. they are Hot Milk by Deborah Levy, uh, Eileen by Tessa. Oh boy. Mushfe, I think, is something like the sell it by Paul Betty. Um, David Sizlais, oh boy, I should have done some homework. All that man is, and uh, Madeline Thien's do not uh, do not say we have nothing. Um, I mean, it is a interesting list, but there is not really a headliner. Uh, there's not a huge name people know in America. The sellout is maybe the only one people have heard of in any yeah. sort of real way. I was going to say the the Paul Beatty is definitely the one that's gotten the most buzz. Yeah. Uh, well, the Moshfe was on my radar for sure. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But the you know Graham McRae's Burnett, his bloody project. I feel like I also heard some yeah. things, but like it's it's all like oh I think I heard about that. Um, but it's yeah, it's not it's not a. It is a hardcore yeah literary, literary fiction book fiction. book nerd. I mean, the mm-hmm. band it's a literary award, but this is like even more so than normal. It seems to me like FSG, Penguin, Bloomsbury, Skyhorse, Gray Wolf, and Norton. Uh, you know, if you have a Gray Wolf and a Norton title on your list of five, that is a hardcore. Right. Lit, lit, uh, no, 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 no shade it's at true, them. I mean, it's that's true. the way it is. Yeah. Um, so, at uh, two Americans uh, in the great hand ringing about Americans being on those list, they got forty percent of the. Of the list there, so that one's coming out. I don't even know how to cover the National Book Award long list. Do, do you care about any one of these lists more than the others? Um, well, yeah, obviously fiction, fiction. is my wheelhouse. Um, and I was very curious to see what was on the young people literature mm-hmm. young people's literature list this year. I can't even say that. Um, so, although I am sad that Queen of the Night by Alexander Chi is not on this long list for fiction, <sighs> I was sad about that too. I was sad about Homegoing not being yeah, on the list. Homegoing. That was the other one. I mean, um, I get it. Like it when you've got you know Colson Whitehead's Underground Railroad on there as well. Because um, there can only be one. Right, Jen. I mean, uh, that's well, how publishing you know, works. I mean, yes and no. Yeah, I know, I know. Hey, uh, right, right. If they're looking for, you know, and Jacqueline Woodson's on there too. Like, yep. it's just, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, there's so many good. Garth Greenwell's book is on here, which made me very happy to see, actually. Um, and a bunch of, you know, book riot favorites like Lydia Millet's on there, and the Chris Batchelder yeah. book, and um, I've heard amazing things about the Association of Small I have Bombs. too. Uh, also, an awesome cover. I have. yeah, really good cover. So, like, I don't think it's a 
bad list. No, it's There's not. There's just not things bad. I wish were on there for sure. I do um, think if the Underground Railroad ha- has hadn't been on there, I would have been surprised. That's really yeah. the only book I I could have said that I would have been surprised wasn't on there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of books that could have been. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's a mm-hmm. lot of interesting. You know, we love you, Charlie Freeman. I think uh, oh, Homegoing, yeah, The Mothers sure. by Britt Bennett. Like, there's a lot I could. Those have are all debuts, there. though. And I, I don't know actually mm. how many of these are debuts, but I get that. I, don't know I mean, either. at least a few of them are definitely not. Um, right. Well, that's so true. I wonder about that too. I mean, I don't know what goes into picking. Like, how do they pay attention to genre? They must surely. I mean, subgenre, as it were. Uh, but anyway. It's, it's I, a really again, interesting I think list. like not knowing what books come out on Tuesday, I think these things are, are often a lot less, I don't know, considered um, than we might think. Maybe it is. Maybe it's different than I think. But if I had to bet $100 on I'd say they don't care. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's, yeah. that's just me. Um, the, the other notable things, let's see. What else? Oh, I know what I thought was interesting. So Viet Tan Nguyen, who yeah. wrote The Sympathizer, is up for a Dayton Literary Prize for that, and he's on the nonfiction long list. How for, did I know that we had a nonfiction book? How did I miss I, that? Yeah. I, well, because it's from Harvard University Press. No, That's why you yeah, didn't know. Academic Press. Yeah. yeah it's called uh, Nothing Ever Dies. It looks very interesting. I haven't so read he's any like, of these nonfiction no, books. No, I haven't either. <laughs> I feel really bad about it. I have shame. I have so much shame. And the yeah. poetry, I'm always sort of lost. Although Blackacre has been on my radar for a while, and Kevin Young as well, Blue Laws, Kingsbury. Um, mm-hmm. Ke- that's when I know. I mean, collected poems of Rita Dove. I mean, that's that's as canonical of a, po- a sort of a living American poet as we have now. Norton and uh, Grey Wolf are having a good season, though. I tell you what, very good season, very good season. Um, let's see. And I then Jason that's... Reynolds and Meg Medina are both on the Young People Literature List, which is Burn great. Baby Burn. Meg yeah. Medina, who will be at Book uh, Who will be at book, book Riot Live? Book Riot Live. Use and code Wheelhouse. Jason Reynolds, who right? was last year. Yeah, yeah Jason Reynolds, Reynolds was last year. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, book, that's my yeah, by, moment book by to pitch. Kwame Exalent, Kwame Exalent, Alexander Ghost yes. by Jason Reynolds. He's amazing. Um, the Sun is also a star by Nicola Yoon. That's something we've written about mm-hmm. on the site a bunch of times. People yeah. Oh, and Anna Marie McLemore. I haven't read this one, but I've read her book The Weight of Feathers, and I loved it. So mm. I mean, this is this is a really nice looking list to me. That's a nice. That's a nice list. That's a nice list. Um, cool. And uh, congratulations to all the the publishers and publicists and marketing people and editors and writers and everyone that's, you know, I mean, I know how, one thing I have learned is how many people go into making a book. Um, You know, cover designers, you know, everyone along the road has their hand in the, hand the, their hand in the mix here. Um, A lot of stuff about race on the nonfiction list. That's one thing I I noticed. There's a couple about slavery. Um, There's another one about uh, the, the stamp, stamp from the beginning, the definition of uh, the definitive history of racist ideas in America. So there's three that are overtly, especially about um, black people in America. So there can't only just be one. Um, no, there yeah. in that particular case, the slaves cause mm-hmm. by Manisha Sin- Sinha and yeah, um, and blood in the, the water slavery. is about Attica prison uprising, which is also yeah. inevitably about race. Ab- um, about race, yeah. So, okay, um, yeah. interesting stuff here. Uh, yeah, I mean. Forty books is a lot of long list. I guess, you know, I was I was thinking about if I were in charge. As my initial thing was like, I'm fatigued. I don't want to hear about another long list. Wake me up when the short list and winners are announced. Um, but you know, I want these people working hard books to get what recognition they have if they're not going to get it down the road. I'm wondering because like they drop this long list and they don't tell us anything about it. Do you, do you think that's weird? Like it's just the covers and the the names. 
Like they don't like, tell what us do you why. Want to know? Like what would like, you like? What? Why? Why oh, pick this? I see. Well, like, you can't do that though. Like I mean, as a judge panel, I cannot imagine trying to justify your choices. Because then you just well not justifying, but like yeah. the Pulitzer when they announce the winner, they say for its outstanding portrayal ah. of blah blah blah. Like, yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, what's uh, you know? I pick up the portable Veblen, right? Which I've heard a lot about. I look at it here. And I'm just supposed to. What am I supposed to? Is like, is, is this it's a reader's a really discover? good book? <laughs> yeah, that's what they're saying. It's a really good book, but like, there's a lot of really good. Like, all yeah. ten of these are really good books. But they're these all, are the really really good ones. Oh, oh these are the oh well, you know, he solved it. These are yeah. the double plus good ones. Double, double, double plus. No, that's what they should put underneath. Double plus good. Double, double plus, good. plus good. Like if I look, you know, there was a time when I did this. I don't do it anymore. Where I'd see a long list like this, and some of the books I haven't read of, and I'd try to figure out which one I'd want to read. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at. The, I've got to go do the research myself from here. Like I don't know. It feels like why would I pick the Underground Railroad over Miss Jane or vice versa? I don't know. It feels like there's another little bit of explanation or uh, something else that could go on here. Um, Cause they have judges. I mean, they, they, they presumably have prose reports and things they wrote to each other in a note. And I, I don't know. I just sort of realized that there's not even a blurb. They can't even give us a right. blurb about each one. They're so different. You know, it's interesting. It reminds me of in the tournament of books when you get the judges, yeah. the commentary, not from the, or yeah, no, you get the judge's decision and then you get the commentary. Um, and, I, you know, one thing the judges are always saying is that when they have two very different books, it's like, well, what do you... Actually, somebody right. just wrote a post about this on Book Riot, speaking yeah. of, and the Great British Baking Show, which I'm obsessed <laughs> with also. And I thought it was a very good point. Like, if somebody does something traditional and does it perfectly versus right. somebody does something ambitious and doesn't quite make it, but it's really interesting, you yeah. know, effort, how do you pick between those yeah. things? And these Yeah, my own I taste think, is always yeah. the interesting mess. That's my own sure. preference is always for right. the interesting mess. But that's, you know, not definitive, of course, as much as I'd like it to be. Right. I don't know. I guess I just felt like, all right, there's this big deal. It's in the New Yorker and these big things, and here's a link, and it's just a list of names. Yeah. And I, I guess I just, I, I just found myself thinking, huh. Well, you well, can click on the titles, it turns out. Um, you can? Yeah, you can click on them. I just did it. So they'll give you the blurb about the book. Oh, if and you click on the author's name, which isn't, there's no hyperlink indication whatsoever. I mean, not let's that. talk about user experience. Let's shall talk about we? UX because you know that makes um, a good show. Because that needs to happen, and it's just the stuff from the publisher, which yeah, I guess I is think not so. bad. That's but, something, um, so you could find. And then out get more. the book, and you can get. And there's affiliate links to. Yeah, and there's there's a recommended link, right? Did I just see somebody like I recommend that you go read this essay? By oh, really? That's interesting. Like that. Yeah, somewhere on there. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, at surface, it is just a bunch of book covers. Um, can you click on? I guess you can click on the covers too. Yeah, you can. Yeah, which takes you to essentially a, it's yeah. you know it's the synopsis and you know it's stuff that appears it's almost it's jacket copy or a, uh, you know and the would be on the flaps. It basically. looks like it anyway. Yeah, I'm sure if we did a, a, a copy paste comparison, it'd be the same. You know, I don't know. Like all this work goes into judging. It's a big deal. National book. Like what other what other what else could you do for these books? And could you do for readers to like? You know, point them because no one's going to read all ten. I mean, I guess maybe some people will. Well, but. I mean, bookstores do displays, right? And the staff do recommendations for their sure. favorites from the list. I mean, bookstores. I yeah, I guess bookstores do it. Librarians do it. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Well, that would be cool. Like you know, as, and you know what these books are going to be like. Go. What was the shelf talker that the word had for the Association of Small Bombs? Put that on there. Right. Or something. I don't yeah. know. Like that just would be give interesting. A, just give me a little more like juice um, here. <laughs> 
Because like, okay, right now I'm trusting that I should read these because the National Book Foundation said so. Right. Uh, uh, the judges, I guess, for fiction was interesting too. Mm-hmm. Jasmine Ward, um, Julia Tsuka, John, T. John Wood Johnson, Karen Joy Fowler, and James English. That is a murderer's row for yeah, fiction. Yeah, pretty solid. Um, nonfiction, um, Masha Gessen, Cynthia Barnett, Greg. I don't know a lot of these names. Melissa Harris Perrion, no. Let's see. I don't know judged? any of the. I don't know any of the poetry names. No, I'm, I feel terrible. Ellen William O was on yeah, the Young, o, people literature. For young People. Yeah, Catherine Patterson, Laura Ruby, sure, mm-hmm. William Alexander. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's really you have to trust if you trust. You just the that's judges. what it is. It's all trust. Right. It's yeah. just these are great books. Um, right. The other thing I want, and you know, they never would do this, but I want a champion of champion, like the all <laughs> like you know the all round. You know, like like you get the all round medalist. Like okay, you get the an even bars and the balance beam. I, what is the one? What's the outstanding book of the year? I want that. How do you know? Out of the five, out or of, four I was going to say, out of the different, um, out of the categories, like after you pick uh, among the four winners at the end, what's the, you know, who gets the scepter? Right. I want that. That's and that's I'm 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 sure I'm idiosyncratic in that. Well, like, maybe we book? should we should start a, a bracket. <laughs> I know. Well, Let we've always thought about doing book right awards, and you've been a part of some of this. Like, yeah. what could we do? And we never come up with anything that's you know that different than what other people do, so we no. don't do it. Yeah. Um. But. There isn't really a award for like book of the year across all categories. In I was any, just going to say like a thing. winner of winners. Like you pit the winner of the National Book Award versus the Man Booker versus oh, yeah. the Dayton versus the whatever. Oh, like, that's interesting. Versus the Baileys, like pull them all together. I mean, that's sort of what the Turn of Books does because like you can guarantee that the Pulitzer winner, or the National yeah. Book Award, I think even the National Book Critics Circle Award winner, you know, right. those are virtual, right. those are auto bids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like what's the, and the, but that's all fiction. Right. Right. Eh, some uh, of them are. Yeah. I mean, the Turn of Books, though? I mean, Turn of Books is all fiction. Oh, oh yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, Turn yeah, of yeah. Books is all fiction. But, like, right. pit, pit, uh, pit um, you know, pit, uh, I don't know, some of these books against each other and just see. I mean, again, it's 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 dumb, and you can't compare, but, well, you know, we can't <laughs> compare any of them, so if it's not if it's all impossible, then doing right. one more impossible thing is no more impossible than everything else. Boy, I just logic this <laughs> stuff out of that. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's, right. do, let's do another sponsor, and then we can get on to some more idiosyncratic uh, book talk. Um, Fab Fit Fun. Talked about this a couple weeks ago, yesterday, uh, as it turns yes. out. It's the a subscription yesterday. box <laughs> with premium full-size fashion, beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. The, book com- the b- box comes out once each season. You know, I- I- I'm presuming that means that like actual like New England seasons, not California right. seasons, right? Um, right? Which is warmer and just a little bit less warm in California. Mm-hmm. Um, four times a year. Retails for $49.99, but always has a value of over 200 back- bucks. The fall box has a value of $250. You can go subscribe at fabfitfun.com. Listeners to this show can get... Use offer code RIOT, R-I-O-T, in case you didn't know how to spell virtually any words, if you don't know how to spell that. Get $10 off their first box. Plus, if you refer a friend, you will get $15 off your box, and their friend will get $10 off their box. Referral program. Pretty awesome. Um, they, sent, they, sent, they sent a package to our house, as I talked about, um, to humorous effect last time. The big <laughs> hit in that were the bath bombs. The kids love those. Ooh, nice. uh, also, we are, we're planting, there was like a little, um, there, there's a, like a window box for, 
herbs. Oh, you know, nice. Basil, rosemary, and stuff that was in there too. Some beauty products which I didn't sample. There's some oils and ointments, inks, uh, tinctures, salves, various things you could put on <laughs> various parts of yourself to make those parts um, uh, more floral, uh, supple, or rigid, depending upon your particular need <laughs> in the particular area. Uh, we can't say what's going into the fall box because that's part of the fun, right? Is what's in there. But a few of the items. There's a skin laundry night serum. Uh, Pure Cosmetics Naked Eyeshadow Palette, French Lavender Body Oil, and a Mod Cloth Scarf. Those are for sure things. Mod Cloth has good scarves. Good stuff. Um, Past boxes have included, you know, lip gloss, daily spray, dry shampoo, a Headspace Blue Sky card, the code for three-month subscription to the app for, you know, mindfulness stuff, a $50 HelloFresh gift card. So, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Touches a lot of different parts of your life. So if you're interested in being fab, fit, and fun – I mean, it's called FabFitFun, so there it is for you right there. Um, all kinds of stuff. Um, you can sample some, you know, they're, they're not, you can sample, but they're not samples. You can try out new products, but they're full size um, and get a real sense of what the products are about there. So go to FabFitFun.com. Use offer code Riot. Get yourself a little discount. Get yourself a little treat, a little pampering. Mm-hmm. Not bad. We're coming into fall. We all need a little pampering in, in the busy fall season. I'm just okay. so relieved that summer is over, to tell you the oh, truth. It's been like, I can than, think about wearing a scarf again. That's It's delightful. been hotter than blazes there, I know. Yep. I know. Okay. Uh, let's you want to talk about this algorithm? Yeah, let's talk about this algorithm. So, I don't know. People are trying to make robots into part of books. <laughs> no, they are. They're trying to write them. You know, we see these things. They're trying to right. score them. They're trying to recommend them. Um, and this is about um, a couple of... Researches at Stanford University's Literary Lab, which is ringing all of my bells, just the name <laughs> itself. I'm super interested. In. Um, a former publisher named Jody Archer and um, another guy named Matthew J. Jockers, J- excuse me, I got that wrong, Matthew L. Jockers, they built an ag- algorithm to try to predict bestsellers. So, what they did is they, they, they put their program through, I guess, some sort of complicated um, optical character recogni- recognition with some rules. Uh, and they scanned 20,000 books, and they predicted with 80% accuracy the ones which made the New York Times bestseller list. And one of the key discoveries was that topics covered in a novel, marriage, work, and technology are more important than genre than predicting the success. And there's a long interview with them, which is pretty interesting. Um, and they, you know, a couple of things they said, they, you know, they, they said that Fifty Shades of Grey got picked up because it has some pacing similarities to like Dan Brown books, cliffhangers. Um, it's fast. Uh, let's see, sex scenes around halfway through. I thought was interesting. Um, they identified the perfect bestseller, which was The Circle by Dave Eggers, uh, because it was brief, had no signs of superfluous punctuation. <laughs> that one cracked me up. And three popular topics: technology, jobs, and quote unquote human closeness. Um, but other books sold a whole lot more. So anyway, I, well, I don't I, know. Eighty? Per, are we impressed by eighty percent? I guess I, mean, I feel like I am. Yeah. Although, well, uh, I like. I want to know. 
I want to know what that backend database looks like. Like, I yeah. want to know how human closeness became a thing that a computer can scan for, right. first of all. Like, how, what does that mean? Like, char- I mean, it, it seems to imply conversations. Um, like, when they use all of these examples, like, oh, Grisham, you know, the hero sits down with the heroine and they eat Chinese food and talk before the big, <laughs> you know, whatever scene. And it was like, okay. Um, but, you know, to say that a novel gets on the bestseller list because it's about marriage slash work slash technology is like a little bit like saying that a book gets on the bestseller list because it's a book like what it's about humans and stuff right like it's about people like no no duh right i just but but clearly there is a there there because they can predict with 80 percent accuracy like i'm not sure that you know as a bookseller of 10 plus years i could have sat down with a pile of 100 books and picked which 80 were on the bestseller list unless i happen to know it already um yeah because you'd also have to some i mean the nice thing about the algorithm is we would be biased for a lot of reasons because we know the author, right? Buzz, like, right? We'd somehow have to like uh, do one of those, you know, Men in Black memory wipes right. of everything we know about, uh, and like books. which editor edited yeah, it, and right. which How publisher much it's from, it. and yeah, like it's very. So, you know, in in that sense, this is interesting. Like, the fact that they identified that Dan Brown and E.L. James had the same pacing was kind of... uh, That's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, But, like, for them to be like, oh, a computer program told us that Jody Pico sells well. Like, no, duh. Um, Yeah. I, I guess the thing that's not in this article, and probably I could find out if I did a little more homework, is this is 20,000 books over which period. Yeah. I mean, they talk a lot about, you know, modern ones like Patricia Cornwell, yeah. James Patterson. You but know. this is from the last, is this from the last 10 years? Uh, are these all traditionally published? Are these all, do they, I mean, what is the sample? Right, and then exactly. how many of these books made the bestseller list? Like, what's the control? Oh, interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. did, did, did 20% of these make the bestseller list over the course of its lifetime as a print book? I because there are a lot of books make the – I mean, honestly, a lot of books make the New York Times bestseller list. Now, a lot of books are published. Right. But what percent of these made – so what's the improvement over just randomly throwing a dart? Right. You know, maybe it's 2%. What mm-hmm. could a human do? Like, let's say I had read you – know, you and I had read these 20,000 books, and we just sort of picked out based on taste. Like, which of these do you think are going to do really well? Mm-hmm. And we know and – and the other thing we have to know is – then we'd also know like what we get 20,000 to choose from, but we can only pick how many of them can we pick, right? right? We need right. Like, 400 of these are going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. Which 400 do you think? Could right. we beat the algorithm? Yeah. So we just don't know. Because I, I, at first I was very impressed by 80% accuracy, but then I realized there's a lot of stuff we don't know. We don't know what the control, we don't know how many books made these. We don't know if these are traditionally published. Maybe 10,000 of them are self-published books that aren't that good. They didn't get edited. They have grammar mistakes and the algorithm could pick it up. And you and I could. Right. So, and is this all fiction? It looks like it's all fiction. They've only, they only talk about fiction. Yeah. Um, I want to do some follow-up about this. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe these guys would be interesting as one of our drop-in interview spots to talk so, about sure. their, their thing. Um, so anyway, um, they're saying, though, well, I mean, so all that aside, one of the things they're saying is that their algorithm can pick up for human closeness, right. work, technology, pacing, uh, you know, how does the computer know if there's pacing? How does it know? Yeah, how, yeah. What does it call pacing? Does Short it look sentences? for verbs? Like Short a, chapters? Maybe? Like, is it thematic pacing or is it yeah. verbal pacing? What does it mean? 
Like you'd have to look for certain sort of action words, like killed, fell down, like right. exploded, <laughs> died. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Exclamation marks don't go down well, they said. No. You know, that's an interesting thing. Right. People um, don't like punctuation. <laughs> yeah. We, we found that long sentences are rare in bestsellers. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a thing that an algorithm can pick up without doing any sort of evaluative thing. It's like how many words are in these sentences? Um, right. That's true. Uh, let's see. Symmetrical Oh, and pacing. this thing about um, there's thir- a couple of topics that take up 30% each of the book. Like huh. it's it's you it's you can't have a book all about marriage because that's too much. Right. But if you split it between marriage, technology and work, apparently, and you hit 30 hmm. percent, it is a bestseller potentially or it has bestseller potential. Because you see, that's what this is going to turn into is people being like, aha, now I know the formula to write my bestseller. Right. Which is always. A- and, and I guess the other thing is like this, this didn't predict bestsellers from scratch, what it did is it said, what have been bestsellers right. created an algorithm and it looked at things that it didn't, I guess, presumably the algorithm didn't yet know if they were bestsellers or not. So really what it's saying is that things that, books that are like other bestsellers are like, new books that are like older bestsellers are more likely to be bestsellers. Which I guess when you put it in that sort of formulation is not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't know. I, yeah, I like, what's know. the practical application of this? Like, what is it useful for? Like, if you, yeah. ha- I mean, who has a stack of, you know, 20,000 books and wants to figure out which ones were the best sellers? Like, that's not I what guess, this is for, I right? Like, what, that's not what this is for. I guess what you might say is, like, if I'm a publisher and I've got a bunch of manuscripts on submission, could I put it through the algorithm and it would it would kick out which ones I should acquire if I want to make the bestseller list? Right. They could license that algorithm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, and then in that case, it would be, um, is that something I couldn't do on my own, right? Right. Uh, presumably not, because eighty percent of books aren't bestsellers. Presumably, but are are do they even get do they even get enough books that could be bestsellers that they would pick different books than they already pick, right? Because that that implies that you know you're not sure which ones are going to be bestsellers, no. and that you have infinite possible acquisition targets. Where I think really there's you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of good books out there, but you and I know that books we like, there's a lot of them. We're not, they're not going to, they don't have any chance of being a bestseller. Right, right. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be published. No, certainly not. But it just means they're not going to be a bestseller. So I guess if, there, if there has to be some gap between publishing's desire to publish bestsellers and their ability on to identify the manuscripts they get that are going to be bestsellers. I mean, I can see some agents wanting, like, you know, instead of having an intern who reads your slush pile, like, oh, you give your slush pile to the algorithm. And yeah. then, you know, so it's like, okay, so here's 200 manuscripts. Here are the 80 that might be bestsellers. And then you look through the 80 and you acquire the one now that you want. Now that's interesting, yeah. Um, I can see that being a tempting scenario uh, for a lot of publishing professionals. Mm-hmm. Because you really, I mean, I... I was a bookseller. I believe in the human element yeah. of, of books and, and, you know, their essentialness to the process. Um, but so, yeah, but robots and technology are great for doing things humans can't do f- quickly or hate right. doing. 
Right. right? Like if the if the algorithm can tell you that this book is awful. But then again, you know, there's some like I'm thinking of A Girl is a Half Formed Thing, which is by Amer McBride, which won a bunch of awards uh, a couple of years yeah. ago. And is one of my favorite books of all time. And that book is full of punctuation and sentences yeah. that aren't sentences. And the pacing is really weird. And like that was an award winning book. Like That's that would have you know, the algorithm would have rejected it. I was thinking the same thing. I want to know what were bestsellers that the algorithm didn't pick. Right. Like, what were the weird outliers? Like, Ooh, what were the that weird things that, that, bro- list, that yeah. broke the rules, right? Right, right. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. There are probably some applications. I do wonder, though, in a slush pile, they haven't been... Remember, the the uh, again, I think what this book, this algorithm is looking at is things that have already been edited and published. Right. So maybe maybe the slush pile would screw it up because... There's there's mistakes, right? You know, and, there's the, grammatical and an editor errors. hasn't dealt with the structure yeah, yet. Like right, lots exactly. of books get tightened up in editing. Yeah. Um, so again, I think it, there's. I'm not going to dismiss this as, as as garbage. Like this is just you know garbage robot stuff. But there's a lot of interesting confounding factors, as as our our, our beloved Rebecca would say. Right. There's a <laughs> lot of stuff we don't know about what's right. going into there. That I, I I'm my my gut says there's something interesting going on here, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. And some of the things that might be interesting about it are things that aren't, you know, again, are the outliers are, Mm -hmm. you know, what degree of certainty, you know, does, I'm trying to think, does, uh, you know, Riverhead, they've been on a roll recently, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of great books coming out of Riverhead. Do they know, do they have a good sense of what's going to sell in what numbers beforehand? I mean, we could ask. (laughs) No, 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 but I mean, I'm actually rhetorically here. Or is it completely random stuff. Like, you know, I was looking at, uh, as I do every week, looking through Publishers Weekly and looking at the literary titles especially because that's they do a lot of advertising with us and that's a lot of stuff I read. And, you know, a lot of the books that are that are selling very well were books that got a lot of marketing dollars and a lot of pre-publication hype. You know, right. The Girls, Homegoing, mm-hmm. The Nest. Like, it feels to me like maybe that 80% number is not that impressive when you compare it to what publishers sort of expect. I don't yeah. know. I mean, but you hear these stories from publishers about, I mean, we know that there's that, you know, million dollar advance club and how many of those actually sure. sell. Sure, yeah, 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 You know, yeah, it's, right, right. There's, there's very public examples of when publishers have guessed wrong. Right. Well, um, that's 20%. Is it 20%? Is it right, 40% of guessing wrong, right? Yeah. Is it that much better? Yeah. How much better is it than what publishers in their heart of hearts actually have expectations for, for their books. So what the literary lab needs to do next is like sit down, get a couple of uh, editors entered into their program yeah. and have them make like sales predictions or something. Right. And then right. keep it for, you know, however many years or books and then go back and compare. That would yeah. be interesting. I mean, that I want to see that anyway. I yeah, just want to see that anyway. Def- like, yeah, for the 2017 titles, have, um, you know, the the editors of, you know, a certain number of lists from big five publishers or 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 beyond say, okay, which of your books do you think will be a bestseller? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I mean, some of them, I mean, just looking at the bestsellers, like you could, you and I can predict Daniel Silva and James Pat. Like this does not take an out. You don't even, even know, you don't even know anything about the book. No. Like let me, now, now I'm in, now I'm, I'm, I'm all worked up about this now. <laughs> get, I've got to sit. Cause like just looking at this week's adult um, uh, hardcover fiction. Okay, Louise Penny, Minotaur, number one. Probably would have guessed, right? She's got a huge following. Like, Mm -hmm. if you know anything about mysteries, after that's Rushing Waters, Daniel Steele. That's not a shock. Of course, of course. Colson Whitehead, Doubleday. Now, that's interesting. Right. Um, Oprah picked that. 
She did. So and it's it, on a bunch of short lists. Yeah, so. is Oprah is Oprah representative with the algorithm pick or outside of that? I, I don't know. Mm, um, you've got Sting by Sandra Brown, The Woman in Cabin Ten, Ruth Ware, uh, James Patterson, Lan Moriarty, Jenna Vinovich, uh, Debbie Maycomb. Or like, I don't That's know. That's a very like, usual suspect. I mean, list. I don't know that that doesn't seem hard to say. Uh, no. Is it the twenty percent ones that are one that's like? Did we know that Dark Matter by Blake Crouch right. from Crown? But you know, we you're at BEA. They they did stuff around that. That oh, got yeah. marketing dollars. Yeah, and I've gotten like four advanced reader copies of it too. So yeah. they're pushing it. They're pushing. Emma Klein, the girls. We they, right. they spent a bunch of money with us. They spent a bunch of money all over the place. Ah, yeah, I'm just yeah. not sure. Like w- you could almost tell by marketing budget who they think is going to be a bestseller. No, right? that's, yeah, that's that would be that would be a dollars. good proxy if they, yeah. if we couldn't get someone to tell an art But we also, you know what? It's about as likely that they're going to tell us how much total they're spending <laughs> on the book because they're going to tell when they think it's a bestseller. <laughs> that's true. Before the fall, Noah Holly, they spent a bunch of money with us, money in other places. Stephen King, you don't even need uh, Philip Gregory. I, I don't right. know. I don't know. Um, Probably 80% of those, if you just gave me, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess you I'm could super... argue, though, that then the computer program is saying, sure, you could pick those out of a lineup because they're all, they have a history of being bestsellers. Sure. But like, here's right. why, here's why is what the computer algorithm is trying to say. People want to yeah. read about, you know, they want to read fast-paced books about human closeness. Um, or fast-paced books about human closeness. <laughs> I think we have a show title. <laughs> I think we have a show title. I, I think we're we're running out of time. I okay. think we gotta, we we tried to get to this story about banned books in DC scavenger oh, hunt. Yeah. It's a good story. Go Google it if you want to find out about it. The, basically, the, the, the Washington DC Public Library um, hit a bunch of banned books in businesses around Washington DC as a you know, I guess a reminder, public awareness that banning books still happens, get people to read stuff that's challenging. Good job to them. We're, we're, we're out of time. Uh, Jen, thanks for being on the show. This was so much fun. So much fun. Thank you for I, having I had, me. I had a great time. We'll have you back on uh, some other time. Thanks to Fab Fit Fun for sponsoring the show. Go use offer code Riot, get uh, 10 bucks off. Um, you, the ones, go check it out. I am kind of have to admit I'm interested in that one. Um, Daniel Sarin Becker and to Audible. Go check them out. Go to audible.com slash book riot. You can go listen to Love Warrior, the new Oprah book pick. She double dipped this this season. And we'll talk to you guys next time. 